0: You can turn your Bible to 2 Peter. If you don't have a Bible and, 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 and you need a Bible, don't wait till you graduate to get a Bible from Unity Church. We have Bibles that you can have that are free. We have some on the back table in the back that you're welcome to pick up. And if we run out, we'll buy more. We're just in the business of making sure people have the Word of God in their hands. And, and that's actually what today's passage is going to be about, is the Word of God. Now, this, this guy Peter was a fisherman who was called by Jesus to be a disciple and to take the message, the good news of what Jesus had done, it's all over the world. And so he's gone about helping start new churches and grow churches. Just like just like I preach, he would preach. And um, in that, he s- realized we saw last week that he was going to die and that he wouldn't be able to keep preaching. And so he wanted to make sure there was ways of, of giving the message. Now, he said that I've seen things. He said that when I was with Jesus, I, I saw Jesus in the flesh. I watched him do those miracles, he said. And he recounted the, the time when they went up on a mountain. It was just him and James and John with Jesus. And there the father had spoken and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And so he said, not only did I see things, I heard things. I have heard things. And, and so I have to relate to you. And I want to keep reminding you. I'm going to write to you and I want to make sure it's all down. because so, I want to keep reminding you how good Jesus is because I saw it, says Peter. I was an eyewitness. Now, being an eyewitness is a pretty good thing. I mean, even in a court of law, they will bring eyewitnesses up to maybe determine whether the person actually did the crime. So eyewitnesses are big. We, we love when people tell us the truth. And yet today we kind of turn even a, a greater quarter with Peter. I want you to take a look now that he's just said, I've been an eyewitness. I've heard these things about Jesus. And then he says this in verse 19 of Second Peter 1. He says, and we have something more sure the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He says, yeah, I saw Jesus and I heard Jesus, but you know what? We actually have something that's even more sure than that. Now, I don't know about you, but being an eyewitness is a pretty good thing. I mean, that's a pretty good, solid thing. I mean, if they use that for evidence in the court of law, It seems like that would be pretty solid. And certainly Peter and John and the other eyewitnesses, they were solid. All their stories fit together. It's it's accurate. Uh, We found that even non-Christian sources look at what they saw and they're like, yep, that's right on. But Peter says we have something more than eyewitness. And and the reality is sometimes we can't always trust our eyes and our senses and what we're gauging, because sometimes um, the world has gotten to us and it begins to skew kind of what we see and what we hear. And so Peter says, You can't, you don't just have to take what I saw, what I heard for it. We have something more sure, the prophetic word of God. Let me, let me show you how we can get skewed even in our eyewitness. And so Peter has to make sure that we have something better. I'm going to show you a picture. This came out a couple of years ago and, and we're going to do a little test about, about your ability to be eyewitnesses. So fellas, if you would show that first picture up on the screen, I want you to tell me, is this dress, is this dress gold and white or blue and black? Raise your hand if you think this dress is gold and white. Come on, raise your hand. Now, raise your hand if you think they're nuts and it's actually blue and black. Okay, now turn to the people who are opposed to you and say, You're nuts. You're nuts. Your eyes are tricking you. And this this came out right right now when I see it, I can see it back there. And as I turn, I see here to me, this is blue and black. But yesterday, when I pulled this off the Internet, um, this dress was was gold and white is gold. And white? If you sit and look at it long enough, it, your eyes will begin to skew. I remember Katie's uh, dad. We were we we showed this picture to him and he's like, of course, it's blue and black you guys are not you're trying to play a trick on me That's the, there's no way that dress is white and gold and we're like it's white and gold it's white and gold no it's blue and black he kept saying and he turned away and suddenly he looked back at the picture he said when did you change the picture it's suddenly white and gold he says so it's different and people will look at this and the reality is you will see it differently based on the context there's something about your eyes and what's around it that actually changed what it looks like so some people are actually seeing this dress i know it seems nuts if you're seeing it blue and black there's other people who are actually seeing it in gold and white and you who are looking at it in gold and white there's other people that are actually seeing it in blue and black so i'm going to flip to the picture this is the, this is the reveal what the actual color of the dress is okay show us the next picture that is the actual color of the dress how many of you raise your hands again if you had gold and white raise your hands come on admit it yeah isn't that amazing it's actually a blue and black dress so so here we had about a third of this room that looked at that dress as eyewitnesses and said, that dress is gold and white. Could we believe them? No, no, they're nuts. They're there. Somehow their eyes have been skewed. That's out of context. And, um, I, I, I guarantee you go back and look at that picture. Maybe tomorrow it'll look different. There's just something about the way your eyes see it. So I bring that up to say, sometimes when we say, when we say, Hey, I've seen it, I've heard it. It's like, Really, can we always be trusted? Can we always know? Because sometimes circumstances change. That's how even you look at today's um, so- society. An event will happen in our country. Everybody will see that event. Did it change for you? Did it change for you? It changed. They just flashed that picture. It, it, it changed for her. It'll change for you. But we'll have something happen in our society. And you will look at that event that happens and you will make a judgment on it. And you'll have other people who will look at that same thing and make a completely opposite judgment on it. Okay, that happens in politics a lot. You know what? The other night I was watching the NBA Finals. You had one superstar coming down the lane. You had another superstar that came to stop him. And there was a bang, bang play. And you know what? Everybody who was on the one team of the first superstar said, that was obviously our guy who didn't make the mistake. It was the other guy's fault. And the guys on the other team, he said, it wasn't my fault. And everybody on his team was like, it was obviously the other guy's fault. So even in sports, you can have a whole arena full of eyewitnesses and millions of people watching the TV, all making a judgment. We are eyewitnesses and they'll judge it differently. And so Peter is looking here and saying, you know what? I'm an eyewitness. I've heard things. It's true. It's accurate. But just so we know that it's, we know that it's sure. We don't want one of these. Blue, black, gold, white dress issues. We don't want one of these bang, bang basketball play calls. We don't want one of these society things where everybody could just make a choice as to what they saw. You have to know that this is true. This is important that what you are learning about Jesus is absolutely true. Why? Because eternity rests in the balance. This can't be something where you come almost close enough to being saved. You have to be sure. And so that's why he says, we have something more sure than even what my eyes and my ears experience. We have the prophetic word. So let's talk about what the prophetic word, the word prophets important. And the word there is the word that's coming from God. But there were prophets. There was men and women who had been called by God and given a gift of prophecy. God would come and give his word to them. And then they would relate that exact word not installing their own judgment, not putting in their own eyewitness accounts. they would give the exact word and they would relate that to the people so they could know exactly what God was speaking to the people. And it was so critical that a prophet would take the word of God and deliver it as such. When they spoke, they would say things like, thus saith the Lord. What they're saying is, these aren't my words. God has said this and I'm giving it to you. Word for word. They would say things in the scriptures like, and the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah. And he said, and there was the word of the Lord. And it was exactly what he would heard from the Lord. A prophet was to speak 100% accurately as to what God gave him. And God was so, so concerned about his word that he put in rules concerning prophets for the people of Israel. Listen to this rule that comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 13. This is talking about prophets or dreamers of dreams and he says um he says in verse 4 you shall walk after the lord your god and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him but that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the lord your god who brought you up out of the land of egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. You shall purge the evil from your midst. And so when there was a prophet, here's the thing about a prophet's job. He better be 100% correct, because if the prophet didn't get 100% correct, if things proved be false, if it played out and was like, that's not from God, you know what they do to him? Kill him. How many of you would like to sign up for a job based on what you just did with that blue dress, gold dress thing? A third of you would have been dead based on that. So so a prophet, we know that their word was good because their life depended on it. if it was wrong, they would just be dead. Why? Because God says we can't let that falsehood exist in the community. I'm so concerned with how you know me. I'm so concerned that you know the truth that I don't want it to be off just a smidge. I want you to know the fullness of it and I don't want you to be let off anywhere else. Because God said to the people of Israel, I took you out of slavery and I brought you to myself and I don't want anybody to lie to you about it. I don't want anybody to corrupt the love that I have for you and, and what I'm going to do to discipline you. It's got to be for me and it's got to be 100 percent because I care for you too much. It's got to be right on. It's just like we, we, we don't like when people lie to us, do we? We don't like that. We don't like when people take our words out. of context. We want things spot on. It's just like the other night. I had a, a friend here in the church take me to my very first tractor pull. Thank you, Danny Rayner. And Jude and I went together. We went and, and I, I mean, I had to use the earplugs and everything. We went down to the uh, the Galat Benson tractor pull and we watched that thing. And here, I mean, they start those tractors at the engine and it's roaring. They've got all those engines. I don't know how they do it, but they, they pull that sled way down the line and, and there it gets to the end and they just, they give out. They can't pull that sled anymore. Now, the person who's driving that tractor, they want to know exactly where that tractor sled stopped, right? Because that makes a big difference whether you're first place or maybe 12th place. And so they would pull that tractor and they'd get it down to the end and boom, it would stop. And you know what they do? They didn't take out some tape measure. They didn't look there and say, well, it looks to be about, I don't know, 318 feet. They didn't do that. You know what they did? Over on this side, they had a laser. And they would shoot a laser beam out at the tractor pool, out to the to the sled. And that sled had a little receiver on it and they would get exactly what the distance was. You know why? Because they would have a tractor driver who's really upset if somebody lied to them. If it was here, but they were told it was here, that would make them really upset and they wanted to get it accurate. And so they did the laser, got it accurate. And that's how they knew it was what. And we want that. We want accuracy. When we come to scripture, God wants accuracy. He wants it pinpoint. He wants it, he wants it laser tight as to exactly what he's done, exactly what he said. You know why? Because he doesn't want anybody at the end saying, well, I didn't know because somebody lied to me just this much. I thought what I knew was sure I went to this church and they were teaching this. But you know what? They weren't teaching from the word of God or maybe they were distorted. They may have been teaching wrongly and they might cost people eternity. So God says, get my word right. And Peter says, I saw I heard it, but we have something more sure He says the prophetic word, the ones that the prophets, they they took the word of God and they wrote it down. And we have that and we can be sure of that. We can be sure of that. And he says that you should pay attention to that as to a lamp shining in a dark place. How many of you like to turn your lights on when you're driving your car at night? You do, don't you? If you don't, you're a fool right? Because lights help guide us. It's that thing where we turn those lights on to help guide us in a dark place to help us pay attention. In fact, the words that are being used here are to say, pay attention to the course you're using when you're steering your ship. Turn those lights on so that you know where you're going. So if you want to know where you're going in your life, you need to use the word of God because he doesn't get swayed by other people's opinions. He knows what's true and what's fact. And he's saying, you need to go right there. You need to go right there. He says, my word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So use it, use it. He says to do this and keep doing it. When until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That's a description of Jesus rising up and also his return. And then it goes on and says this. Verse 20, it says, knowing first of all. That no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so Peter makes very clear that people didn't sit down and just imagine these things. They don't come up with fanciful stories about Jesus walking on the water or resurrecting from the dead or how the church had miracles, the kids and I just read uh last night about how Peter was in prison and the angel came and rescued him and they The guards, they didn't even see him. And they walk right out. And my favorite part is when Peter's walking and they come up to the big iron gate and it says, by itself, that gate just opened up. I mean, that's that's amazing. Peter saw that here, but Peter's like, you know, when people write scripture, they don't make these things up. This is true. This is truth. He says, this doesn't come from the imagination or own interpretation of somebody. This says that prophecy doesn't come from the will of man, but you know where it comes from? The Holy Spirit. Yes, we had men sit down and they write out these scriptures, but it wasn't coming from their own poetry in their mind. It wasn't coming from their own stories they made up. It says that the Holy Spirit went and guided and carried them along. I want you to picture a boat that's sitting out in the middle of a lake, maybe your favorite lake, and it's sitting out there and it's got a sail. That's the only thing to move it. Until wind comes and carries it along. That's the terminology that's being used here. It's like these men, they had their sails up and they didn't write anything until the Holy Spirit carried them along and they wrote down those words. And and that's what the Lord gave us. He gave us all of this scripture so that he could pinpoint for us what we needed to know. Because now Peter in this book is going to go on and start talking about what's going to happen at the end. And he's going to say that there are going to come people who are going to tell you the wrong things. There are going to be people who will shoot that laser pointer, that measuring stick is going to be wrong. There's going to be people who are going to come and try to deceive you. They're going to come and try to say things that are wrong. And God doesn't want anything to be wrong about him. He wants his truth to be laid bare so that people can look at the truth and be saved by the truth and know his love. So Peter says, I'm telling you up front, the prophecies and the scriptures that God gave us are true. You can bank on it more than anything else in life. You can trust God he says, you better pay attention to that, because there's later on next week, we're going to start talking about the false prophets and they're going to come and try to twist things. And they're going to try to tell you that, you know what, Jesus doesn't love you. And they're going to try to, you know what, you better save yourself. And they're going to try to tell you know what, Jesus is never coming back. You don't got to worry about it. Peter says, man, you you better pay attention to what the word of God really says. Pay attention to how much God loves you. Even in the midst of all your crises. And God loves you. He's with you right there. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to guide you into his truth. You know why? It was too costly for God not to. This book, the prophetic word, all that it said and led up to was Jesus, who was God who came in the flesh and he lived like you and me. He ate food. He went out on boats. Sometimes he even took vacation. And Jesus, at the end of his life, it says, he went up onto a hill called Calvary. And there he was nailed to a cross, not because he deserved it. He had never sinned. That's the truth of the scripture. So why was Jesus dying on the cross? It's because the truth of the prophetic word says that all of you have sinned. And that I have sinned. And we needed help. And so the scripture says by that prophetic word that when we needed help and even before we ever sought out God and had ever done anything to make ourselves cute and lovely and desirable in his eyes that for some reason he loved us and he put Jesus on that cross and he crushed Jesus instead of you and me. So that nowadays, if you were ever to say, Lord, save me the scripture the prophetic word says if you say save me that god is doing a work in your heart and he will take your sin from you and he put it upon jesus on the cross who died for you and then he took jesus's life and he put it into your soul and you now get to live for him with him and for him and that's where joy is you know wouldn't that be a tragedy if the prophetic word told us all that All that God has done to save us, to send Jesus, have him die on the cross, have him to raise from the dead and bring this good work to us. And then later on, we get down the line and and the rug is yanked out from underneath us because it wasn't right. You know how we know it's right? It's different from all the other attempts to save. You know, if you go into any other scriptures of other religions, Any other gurus who try to teach on this is the way for you to be saved. The way they get it all wrong is this. If you meditate enough, if you pray enough, if you do enough to make God happy with you, if you somehow can wipe off all that grimy sin off, if you do it, if you do it, if you do it. And all the effort is put onto you. Guess what the prophetic word says? You'll come up short with that. The only one that says it's not up to you, it's up to what God did is Jesus. The only one that says it's based on the merit of what Jesus did and not upon you did is this word of God. It's the only one that says it's not based on what you do. It's based on what God done. And so he wants to take his grace and dump it upon you. He wants to invest in you richly from all of his power and all of his goodness. And he wants to bring you in, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. It's only found in this book. It's the only one. It's the only one. And this good book, by the truth of its word, says that one day Jesus will come back. And every human being will stand in front of his judgment seat. And there will be books open at that time. And all those books will record all the evil and all the actions that you and I have ever done against God. And there will be, I'll tell you what, not just for you, but for me, there's going to be a long laundry list of dirty garbage in my life. But because this good book says that God saved me, he'll take that book that has my record and he'll shut that one. It says there's another book called the book of life and he'll open up that book and he'll he'll look down the list and he'll see my name that he wrote there. And when he sees my name in the book of life because of what he's done to save me, he will say, Jason Hudson. Come home with me. That's the truth. And if you know Jesus on that day, when his judgment, they will close the books on your dirty record is all that was paid for by Jesus. And they will open up the book of life and they'll look for your name and they'll say, yep, your name's here. Come home. That's what the good book says. You know, some people say B-I-B-L-E stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. that Somehow this is some kind of rule book. Some type of manual just to kind of get it all right. It's more than that. It's more than that. You need instruction manuals for your dryer. Or maybe your car. When it comes to life, you need a love letter. This will tell you what you should and shouldn't do. What you need is a God with his love letter saying this prophetic word by which it is straight as an arrow will tell you how sinful you've been. But then how deep the grace of God was to cover your sin. And to bring you into a loving relationship with God. You know that if you're in relationship with God. Because he's forgiven you. You get to walk with him every day. You're his friend. You're his friend. Anybody who's not God's friend. You know who they are? Enemies. He's going to kill them. He's going to destroy them. But instead he says. If I've forgiven you. I'm your friend. And I will give you joy. And I will give you peace. And when it hurts. I will carry your burden. And when you need help. You call on my name. That's what the good book says. Father, we thank you for this word that we have. We pray that we would continue to to seek it daily. We pray that our Bibles would become tattered and worn. Not because we're trying to figure out the rules by which we can appease you, but to figure out just how gracious you've been to appease Your own justice by sending your son, Jesus. And that we would just revel in the fact that you've loved us so much. And that we would want to gain more and more knowledge of you, not because we have to score some tests and then graduate, but rather because we want to grow in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, would you please keep keep speaking honestly with us? And we know that you will because you are the truth. But, Lord, we pray that you'd help us also to be honest with you. Lord, today, if we find sin in our lives, we pray that you would convict us of that sin, that we would come and that we would repent Lord, that today we would call upon you to save us and that we would turn from our sin and turn to Jesus and have a new life even today. And so, Lord, we thank you for being so generous, if even your word we pray, then, that we would take great care of it. We pray that even like the prophets, that we would just hold it dear and that we would make sure that that we would treat it with accuracy and that we would. Seek it in all things, Lord. And and, and so we, we ask that your word would continue to be alive in us. It's so good. And we pray that this church would be continued to be just founded on your word. That it'd be the foundation of this place that we would not use it to beat people over the head, but that we would use it to be our, our foundation, Lord, that, that we would draw deep within it like a well and we would pull up that goodness and that we would drink from it and that we, we would share it and give it away at, at VBS and at camp and 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 here at church lord that we would continue just to give away the good news of jesus and that it would it would quench those who are thirsty And we just give you our thanks we pray this all in jesus name amen this morning we want to give you an opportunity to respond you know we we hear the truth and whenever we hear the truth, we really have a, a choice of how we want to respond. And in the church, we call that response worship. We do that a lot of time by singing. So we're going to sing right here. That's just our response. But you individually, you have to make a choice of response. And I'm not saying that choice is whether you have to sing the words out loud. The, the choice is, are you going to draw near to Jesus? Or are you just going to kind of kind of stay where you're at? And I don't necessarily mean whether you're coming up front or staying in your seat. You're welcome to come up front while we sing. But what I mean is if the Lord is tugging on your heart and the same Holy Spirit that led those men to write the scripture, if that Holy Spirit right now is is calling on you, then don't resist him. Maybe you need to come up front. Maybe you need to make this your stand today. where You say today I want to be saved today. I want to make this commitment today. I want to have a renewed relationship. Then make today worth it. Make today worth it. And as we stand and sing together, I want you to take that into your heart and say today I have an opportunity to respond. And today I respond To move closer to Jesus. I want to draw close to Jesus. So let's stand and sing together.